Wyndham Clark would not be denied on Sunday at LACC, outlasting bigger names with better resumes to win the U.S. Open, his first major in a magical year for Wyndham, as Golf Today starts now. Golf Today. 29-year-old Oregon Duck, who started his college career at Oklahoma State, who grew up in Colorado, is a national champion. A final round, even par 70, sounds about right in the U.S. Open, and able to defeat Rory McIlroy by one shot in the gloaming at the Los Angeles Country Club. It was the first U.S. Open in Los Angeles in 75 years, the first Open at LACC ever. And it created quite the canvas for Wyndham Clark to paint. And we are so glad to be coming to you this morning from the Los Angeles Country Club. This is Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch. So many questions going in for this National Open. We had an unexpected champion. We did a, a few Hollywood touches in the finale yesterday as well. Certainly given, as you pointed out, that he had a resume that wasn't as impressive as the guys who were chasing him for most of the day. But we certainly had a feel-good element to the story. We had a little bit of drama. A little bit of tragedy in there. It's not a script you could have sold in this town a week ago, but it's the one that's kind of turned into reality this week. Everyone kept waiting and waiting for Wyndham Clark to fall away. He had some remarkable saves, a bogey save, for example, at eight, and we're going to show some of the highlights in just a bit. But how about that strong chin in the face of some of the biggest names in Do the game? Do you think there was another person on site here yesterday other than Wyndham Clark? who thought that he wasn't going to wobble, that he wasn't going to crack, because that was certainly the sentiment among everyone I talked to was the assumption that it was going to turn out to be a, a Ricky Rory or mm. Ricky Rory Scheffler, perhaps a DJ element to it as well. I didn't hear anyone talk about Wyndham Clark all morning. Yeah, I'd say well, there was a, a, a robust you know, traveling party with Wyndham Clark. Maybe they were the ones who believed alongside the 29-year-old Coloradan. Wyndham Clark meets the press. This is now my second win um, on the PJ Tour, and <clears throat> first one was surreal, and this one's surreal. So, um, you know, it hasn't quite hit me yet. Walking up 18 was pretty emotional, and then finishing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind of the last five, six weeks. It's been uh, I'm just so blessed and humbled to be here. My mom was she was so positive and such a motivator in what she did. She would I mean she'd be crying tears of joy. Um, she she would just she always she called me winner when I was little, and so she would just say I love you winner and um, you know obviously she had that mantra of play big, but really I mean I was my mom I was a mama's boy so I would uh, it would be a lot of hugging and and crying together and um, but I know she'd be very proud of me and um, yeah I mean I miss her and. It's, it's obviously great to think about her and, and being here in L.A. and winning something like this makes me think of her even more than maybe my day-to-day, -day, um, you know, when I'm not playing a championship. You know, Eamon, I spoke to Wyndham a couple of times during the week. He never acted as if he didn't belong. He talked about his Wells Fargo win and how yeah. the, the field that he beat and felt like a major when he won in Charlotte. Uh, his distance, he talked about the width of the fairways here, felt very comfortable, you know, hitting that big old cut and able to take advantage of the three par fives on property. It, it was remarkable how much poise and experience he showed despite his best finish being a tie for 75th in a major previously. Yeah, there was nothing in the record that would suggest he should have played the way 
He did play, but he was flawless out there yesterday. I mean, he ranked second in the field this week in strokes gained off the tee. He was seventh in short game. He was fourth in putting, seventh in driving distance. Those are a, a pretty good identicate picture of how you're going to contend against guys like Rory McIlroy or Scotty Scheffler out here. What struck me was something he said last night where he said that the, the turnaround in his game began last year when he stopped working with a coach. He decided he was going to own his own game, work his way through the, the process of owning his own swing. And what greater cauldron is there to prove whether or not you own your own swing? Mm than going up against guys with resumes like that in the final round of a major championship mm. under that kind of heat, that kind of pressure. And it's a real credit to him that when he was required to hit a certain shot, he hit it. He didn't back off. I mean, that, yeah. that approach shot into 14, and we just saw that really kind of give him that cushion that he needed. Rory McIlroy came up short on that hole. It somewhat undone his chances. It didn't happen for Wyndham Clark. He had to know that the sentiment was with Ricky Fowler. The sentiment here was with Rory McIlroy. And when Wyndham bogeyed 15 and 16, you had to think that maybe this was the opportunity for those players to, to capitalize. And for him to get up and down on 17 in a long two-putt par on 18, it just showed you what he was made of. And listen, this game, we've seen inspiration throughout the history of this game. Ben Crenshaw playing for his late mentor, Harvey Penick. And we've seen it time and time again. And to hear Wyndham talk about his late mother, 10 years since she passed away, but to continue to hear her voice, I think that was a big 15th club as well. I also think that there's this narrative tends to build up in major championships when a comparative journeyman wins in the midst of all of these superstars. And we've seen it, you know, Phil didn't win at mm. Wingfoot in 06. Hogan didn't win at Olympic in 55. Watson didn't win at Olympic in 87. And it would be unfair if that narrative takes over here because Wyndham Clark stepped up when he needed to. No one actually lost yesterday. Mm. Everyone played, essentially, with the exception of Ricky. Everyone played a kind of yeah. prototypical final U.S. Open round. They, they're trying to grind their way through it. Wyndham Clark just didn't go anywhere. And it would be a shame if this U.S. Open is remembered more for those who came short than for the guy who stepped up and hit the shots that he needed to hit when he needed to hit them. And a lot of that will depend on Wyndham Clark and where he goes from here. Now, obviously, we'll be part of the United States Ryder Cup conversation. You know, where does this you take him? you think Zach Johnson liked watching that? Oh, absolutely. a guy who's not kind of backing off in the face of Rory McIlroy or anyone else? No question. Maybe he has a plethora of choices and also seeing a rebirth of Ricky Fowler as well. But I tell you what, Wyndham Clark, he made a surprise everybody on campus. He did not surprise himself with that fantastic final round of even par 70. And you mentioned uh, Rory McIlroy, yeah. now a three-time runner-up finisher in major champions to go along with the Masters last year in the Open at Carnoustie in 2018. We hear from Rory McIlroy. We keep in having to ask you questions about how do you deal with disappointment? Do you learn things, this and that? I'm wondering if it's kind of getting exhausting to have to answer those kind of things. Um, it is, but at the same time, you know, when I do finally win this next major, it's going to be really, really sweet. So, um, you know, I would go through a hundred Sundays like this to get my hands on another major championship. When does the countdown to Royal Liverpool start? Um, three minutes ago, I guess. Um, yeah, well, I'll play Travelers next week. I'll play the Scottish Open. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm focused on making sure that I'm, I'm ready to go for Liverpool. 
So fascinating to watch this player this week under the microscope so much. He did not have a pre-championship press conference. I think he purposely kept things simple this week. Didn't even speak to the media after his opening 65. But to hear him say he would go through 100 more Sundays, it reminded me of Shawshank Redemption. You know, he's going to go through the muck, do whatever he has to to get that fifth major title. Well, he doesn't really have any alternative. I suppose this is what you do. And Rory McIlroy knows as well as anyone that part of the the triumph in this game is the tragedy that goes along with it. Mm. You get calloused as a professional athlete out there. And Rory certainly had his share. Last summer at St. Andrews was a real gut punch for Rory McIlroy in, in not getting that victory. He and Victor Hovland led uh, tied going into the final round by four. Cam Smith shoots 64, beats them. And I think that really hurt Rory McIlroy. I think this one might actually hurt a little bit less because he, he played a pretty darn good final round in the US Open. And what was clear here was incrementally each day uh, the, the putter just ceased to behave a little bit more. He was ninth in putting in the field on Thursday. By the time he got to Friday's round, he was 26th. Saturday, he was 49th. Yesterday, he was 57th. And they weren't necessarily bad putts. At St. Andrews, he looked tentative. He looked tentative walking to the first tee Sunday in St. Andrews. He didn't look tentative here yesterday. He was, that driver was like Thor's hammer out there, but the putts just didn't drop for him when it mattered. And then that misjudgment on the two, on the two longest holes, the guy who was essentially the longest guy in the field on the two longest holes, those were the missteps, the, the short missed putt on eight, and then that wedge shot into 14. That's where it really came undone. I'm with you, Eamon. I thought he went down swinging. I thought his body language all week was really, really strong. If you watch Rory McIlroy, even back to his practice rounds, he was bounding down the fairways, talking about the, the angles of the golf course. He had a great interview with Johnson Wagner in a walk and talk and talked about how often he'll be able to hit driver or maybe even not hit driver and hit five wood and still have some wedges into these greens. But to hear him be optimistic and say, I'm going to do whatever it takes and to not walk away, I think, with his head down is a very, very different thing than I might have expected coming oh so close. I don't think he played a poor round of golf. It did remind me a little bit of St. Andrews, but to, to hear him, the way he played this week, I still think the arrow is pointing up for this player. Uh, he's an ambassador of this game. He's been carrying a lot on his shoulders as the face of the PGA Tour. I think he is simplifying things now, talking less. May not be great for us who love talking to him, but probably better for his golf. Big picture, I am not worried about Roy McIlroy. No, the message he really wants to send, I think, doesn't involve words mm. anymore. He's been in that position over the last couple of years where he's been out there taking shrapnel for the PGA Tour. I think that's now done with as far as Rory McIlroy is concerned. And people who spent time around him earlier in the week said there was a noticeable difference. Uh, and there was. I walked nine holes with him on Wednesday. And what Paul McGinley likes to refer to as the pointy elbows attitude of Rory in his youth, that was back a little bit. He looked like he had a little bit of a steely resolve. He looked like a guy who was just tired of this. He was tired of it in majors. He was tired of being the guy who came out without the trophy, but all the noble sentiments at the end of it. So this one is going to hurt on that basis, but that attitude is going to carry him forward in that the pointy elbows aren't going away. The attitude isn't going away. The edge isn't going away. The impatience isn't going to go away. Unfortunately, when he goes to Hoylake, it, it's a reminder of the player Rory has always been. Mm. It, it's where he won the Open Championship the last time we were there, and it's very hard to live up to those standards. He is living up to those standards. He's just not leaving with the trophy. He, he said himself this week he's a better golfer mm. than he was then. He's putting himself in position time and time again. That's his 19th top 10 finish and his 10th 
top five finish in a major championship since the last one he won. He doesn't seem to be a guy who's going anywhere. Yeah, I'm with you. It's funny. I was getting text messages from, from friends and viewers. Is Rory okay? Is he okay? Because I, I talked to him a couple of times. I said, like, Rory's fine. Rory had his game face on yeah. this week. And I think that that's been missing a little bit. He's approached these majors sometimes not knowing how to approach them. Sometimes talkative. Sometimes a little quiet. Sometimes, you know, pushing it back, the expectations, sometimes, you know, embracing them. And I think he kind of found the sweet spot this week, even if he didn't find the trophy. He doesn't, and he's going to go now nine years on to Hoylake, and as we know from Los Angeles traffic, Damon, it's the waiting that wears you down. <laughs> but in a way, it's, it's, I, I think there's a difference between, say, him and Ricky Fowler. Ricky's got this burden of the guy who's never won a major mm. title. In a way, Rory's might be worse in if you're the guy waiting for the next one, mm. because the implication of that is that your best days aren't in front of you, yeah. but might actually be behind you. I don't think that's the case with Rory McIlroy at all. In a way, he, you know, he's one year older than Phil Mickelson was yeah. before Phil won his first major title. Phil's now got six of them. Yeah. So I, I think there are great days ahead for Rory McIlroy. He's probably not going to feel that way today, though. Yeah. Time was, age 34 was the sweet spot in a professional golfer's career. I imagine Rory McIlroy still believes he has a lot of great Sundays ahead. Eamon, and you mentioned Paul McGinley, one of the great guests that we have coming today. Look at this list here again, and we might talk a little college hoops with him, Aaron Grimes, who's a caddy here at the Los Angeles Country Club, Dick Shorts, former president here, Sam Farmer, great reporter, golf and football for the LA Times, Amy Alcott, Los Angeles native, LPGA Hall of Fame member, and Paul McGinley, who we see every major championship with Rich Lerner and Brando Chambly. And when golf today continues, I'm going to be bookended with two LA guys, Damon Hack and Terry Gannon. Gets to sleep in his own bed this week. He's going to join us fresh off the broadcasting call for this U.S. Open. Stay with us. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Golf Today. Yesterday it was Wyndham Clark, 29-year-old from Colorado, who secured his first major championship, holding off the word number one and the word number three, among others, picked up the US Open hardware on the 18th green. Well, Golf Today is live and on site at the venue Los Angeles Country Club. And our next guest, 
a hometown game. He's usually accustomed to sitting next to glamorous people like Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir. <laughs> it's a little more drab today for Terry Gannon. Please to join us. No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, you're right about that. Than what I'm used to in figure skating, yes. Terry, you were on the call this weekend. Were you surprised that Wyndham Clark didn't wobble, that he was as solid as he was in those circumstances? I, I wasn't surprised he didn't wobble. What we saw at, at the Wells Fargo, I was there for that one, too. It's a big golf course. It's a big event. It's a designated event. He'd been through there um, with all the confidence that he showed here. I, I didn't think he would. I just thought maybe the McElroys or, or Ricky, if he, if he kept making putts on that final day, uh, would get it done. I thought Rory... Um, was going to get it done yesterday. That, that's really what I th I'm, I'm not alone. I understand that. Um, but wow, how impressed are all of we with Wyndham Clark and all the, you know, everybody here too, members that I talked to here, friends in town, just learning about Wyndham Clark. And the more they saw, they're, they're, they're like, wow, this guy is a player already. Yeah, the story of, of him losing his mom 10 years ago resonated with a lot of people and, and we Monday morning quarterback you know, now he's a big star now the floodgates are going to open up you know, he's already won as you mentioned in Charlotte now he adds a major does he look like a player to stay oh I in think so okay. I, I mean the power that he has and, and then the finesse around some of those plays around the greens the short game here down the stretch and, and I know to me the biggest thing the most impressive thing and I guess it is a major it's a U.S. Open so it, it matters most are the bounce backs. You know, the yeah. first three days especially, make a bogey, bounce right back with a birdie. I mean, that shows you not only a game, but a heart. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody who is not going to go away. Mm. What do you think Rory McIlroy takes away from yesterday? Another near miss in a major championship? Another slow Sunday? It's hard to get inside the head of Rory McIlroy right now because you cannot dismiss the world we're in at the moment. I think that comes into play, and Rory is certainly a thoughtful, well-read individual beyond what we see on the golf course. All we see of athletes are what they do on the court or the course or the field, and we can ask them a million questions about where your head is at, what, where are you today going into this final round. Even if they answer honestly, it's not the full answer. So he's been there. You know, I, I think... He was a little different this week. I think there was a kind of a, as you said, an edge to him. His demeanor was a little different, not talking as much. He was focused on just winning this week. I think he gets it done. I, I, I think it won't be long before he wins a major, closes it out. Very similar to St. Andrews last year. You know, and he brought it up, what he, what he did yesterday at a major, and that should get it done. Um, it hasn't recently. How tough is it, do you think, for, for an athlete like Rory, who is so bright, who's so thoughtful and caring to be that killer that is sometimes expected of the greats in the game. It goes throughout all sports. I mean, you know, I played with basketball players who just were not self-aware, and, and that's a compliment. Like, they, <laughs> they think they're the greatest thing ever. They, they, they think they're the All-American, not um, from my day, Ralph Sampson or Michael Jordan, who you're playing against, and they're oblivious to really where they should fit in. And they go out and they score 20 points and have 15 rebounds. I think certain, certainly golfers are like that. When you're not, I think it's a greater challenge then to become that for four days at a major championship or one day, that final day. But obviously Rory has mm -hmm. all the success he's had. Just hasn't happened lately. Mm. Do you think the course held up? Because there was a lot of pearl clutching going on on Thursday when we saw 262s out there, this notion that this is not U.S. Open golf. It's going to play too easy. 
in the fullness of the four days, do you think the course acquitted itself? The lead was at eight under on day one. It was at 10 under to win it. What's, yeah. what's the problem here? I, I mean, you're right. And so much of that was the marine layer. I know that it became a drinking game at home every time we said marine layer, and maybe it <laughs> continues today. I don't know. But that was the whole story on day one. It never lifted, and that rarely happens here. Day two, it lifted halfway through. We had, I woke up on Saturday and went, blue skies, yeah. sunshine. Not just because it's supposed to look like this in L.A. It's supposed to play like this in L.A. And then as soon as the leaders teed off yesterday, we had that. I, I think that's the whole story in terms of day one in the 62s, um, even more than the setup. When you look at, at how things played out, and it's a trade-off you make with a golf course like this. You can't really get the spectators very close around the right. tee boxes. You can't get them to the greens because they're actually close to each other. It takes away that Coliseum effect. Do you think that had an impact on the general boisterousness that we would expect of a major championship that just didn't seem to be there as much this week? I think it's the reality of it, yeah, the layout of the golf. I think the golf course, I, I for one, love this golf course. I think it is a gem. I think um, it is, it, you know, top ten, whatever on your list. But in terms of getting people around, spectators around the areas where you want to hear a lot of noise, sure. Um, I thought it was a great scene at 18 with the last pairing yesterday, everybody coming up once they got it under control. Um, it was spectacular. And that's what I'll take away, that memory yesterday in the sunshine, Wyndham Clark closing it out, great putt, lag putt at 18 with all the spectators right there. And that's the setting you want. But sure, it's, that's the reality of it, I think, the, the layout here. I'm from here. Yeah. You live here. What is the Los Angeles Country Club? Where does it fit in the golf landscape in the city of Angels? It's revered, but it, it's been private. I mean, mm -hmm. if you've got friends who are members, you've had a chance to play it. Not everybody has, obviously. And it's, it's a wide landscape, as you know, golf-wise, uh, from Wilshire Country Club to Bel Air to Riviera to L.A., but then you've got the public golf courses, too, right. which so many of my friends play at Griffith Park. Um, great great layouts but this is one that you felt uh, it, it was special to get beyond the gate mm. and, and come have a chance to play and now the world has seen it yeah. which which is really cool for LA you've been around a lot of sporting events Terry where you know oftentimes that if the big name in contention doesn't leave with the trophy it's often remembered for who didn't win rather than who did win is this going to be a major that's remembered for Wyndham Clark standing up and winning it or do you think in time it's going to continue to be known as the one that Ricky didn't win, that Rory didn't win, that Scotty didn't win? I think in part it'll be Ricky just because it was the return of Ricky to major championship golf and holding the lead throughout. But no, I, I, I think Wyndham Clark will be the memory from this week. It'll be LACC, it'll be Los Angeles for the first time in 75 years, and I think it'll be Wyndham Clark not going away even when he had a bobble here, a bobble there, a bogey down the stretch, comes right back with a great shot to win it in the sunshine eventually. Mm -hmm. It's great working with you this week, yeah, and I know we've kept you from your morning hike at Griffith Park, so. I'm going to Griffith right now. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it, Terry. In the car, so Thanks so much, we'll buddy. It's great to be with Terry you. Terry Gannon on this Monday. And speaking of walking and hiking miles, our next guest, someone who's walked many miles here at the Los Angeles Country Club. He's a player, he's a caddy, he's Aaron Grimes. His story next on Golf Today. brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? 
Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And great to have Compton's Aaron Grimes with us on this Monday. We appreciate your time. What was it like for you as a caddy here watching a U.S. Open yeah. unfold this past yeah, thanks, week? Thanks for having me, man. It was it was awesome. You know, see those guys out there challenging the course and the course challenging back, too. Mm. It was awesome. I think we were all excited, you know, the whole membership, all the caddies, all the workers. Mm. Aaron, given how little players knew about this golf course mm -hmm. and fans knew nothing about it as well, did any tour players that you know of kind of reach out to any to you or any other caddy here to try to fill in the blanks a little bit, or did uh -huh. they just rely on their usual methodology to do it? No one reached out to me. <laughs> I know a couple guys had a couple local caddies. I know the uh, low am Gordon. He uh, he had a local caddy, and it paid off. Uh, but I can't. I know it was a couple caddies also out there with some players. But uh, I think they did their own thing. I saw them out there on Tuesday and Sunday. They were walking the course, doing their normal tour thing. You know checking out all the, the lay of the land and all that and seeing what they could take advantage of. Yeah. What was it like for you watching it unfold in terms of the shots that were hit? Anything surprised you? Did you find yourself at some point going, no, no, don't take that club? You know, um, on Tuesday, I saw some guys on hole four. Okay. They were hitting uh, higher trajectory shots, obviously, because the green is going to get a little firm. But I thought they were coming up a little short. You know, that whole place close to level, I think, in my opinion. But um, I saw them come up short, everyone in the group. I won't say the players' names, but they all came up short. Protect the innocent and the yeah. guilty. <laughs> you have shot 67 from the open tees out yep. here, 64 from the regular tees. Mm -hmm. you know, you're a professional. You're trying to make your way in this game. Were you surprised that scores were as low as they were Thursday? And then were you surprised that the course kind of held its own after that? You know, uh, Thursday, I was a little surprised, but not completely surprised. Uh, the greens were soft when I came out Sunday and Tuesday. And a couple guys told me they were playing pretty soft. So, I mean, these guys are good. You know, this course rewards good shots. So if you're hitting the shots, you're going to get the opportunities, especially with the greens being receptive like they were on uh, Thursday. So someone's going to go low every mm. time when they're like that. It's the PGA Tour, the best players in the world. Were you surprised by some of the players who were, in some cases, complaining, but in other cases, just observing that they thought the there was a little too much quirk in the course for them, that the fairways were a little bit too canted for their tastes? I mean, well, the, the course asks for a lot, you know? You got to hit some draws, you have to hit some fades. I know a lot of guys, they only want to play one way, so if you get in a situation where it's asking for a draw and you like to hit a fade, you're going to be uncomfortable, yeah. and you probably won't like it. But it, I thought it was a great championship test, so 
Yeah. What about Welcome. the champion himself? Uh, Wyndham Clark, one of the longest hitters yeah. out here. A lot of people were surprised that the, the fairways were as wide as they were yeah. for a U.S. Open. Wyndham mm -hmm. told me with the width that the golf mm -hmm. course offered him that he was going to hit driver yeah. as much as he could. How about his strategy? Wyndham's good. I actually, um, I caddied on Web.com at the time in 2018 for my buddy Joseph Bramlett, and we played a practice round with Wyndham. So I know he's a long hitter. This course fits his game perfectly. He can play it both ways. A really good player and I mean, strong putter too, clearly. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised by him winning at all. You tried to qualify for mm -hmm. the Open yourself. Uh, you've carried more than 2,000 rounds here. You've been yeah. here for 10 years. How do you describe Los Angeles Country Club? To people who don't know anything about it, what would be the way you would try to introduce what this club is to them? Um, it's, it's a sweet, you know, um, it's a sweet location, obviously, and it's you, the world doesn't know about it until last week. But um, it, it's just it's a great golf course. I mean, it, it's got everything you can ask for in a golf course. You got some long holes, you got some short, delicate holes, you got birdie holes, and you got bogey holes. So it's it's just it's a all around just a, it's a great golf golf course. I think. People don't know about the Los Angeles Country Club. Many don't know about yeah. Maggie Hathaway. Yeah. What, what should we know about Maggie Hathaway? Were you cool mm -hmm. to fall in love with the game? Yeah, so Maggie's where I got started at. I mean, that's the place that got me on the track that I am now. I grew up playing in the WSGA, the Western States Golf Association. And uh, I mean, that place is it's special just like this place. It's special in its own right. And I think the fact that the US Open is honoring, you know, the legacy of that community by, you know, helping it out with some funding and getting that place up and going, I think it's great, you know? It's it's what the game needs, you know? You gotta get some uh, inner city kids involved in the game for this this game to keep growing. Mm -hmm. Where did, where does your journey go from here? I mean, you've, you've played professionally, mm -hmm. and obviously you, that is where the ambitions are. Where are the next steps for you? Um, so I got some tournaments lined up in the summer, um, about, about two, three weeks away. So I, I took all this week off, and uh, I'm just looking forward to get back into practicing, especially after seeing these guys play this course this week. Where do you need to close the gap in your mind? Because you've, you've been close. I know mm -hmm. you can almost taste it. You know, what's, what's the next in terms of the, the practice or, or the focus of your work? Um, you know, a, a good friend of mine told me, at this point, I'm good enough to make it. I just got to outlast everyone else, mm. you know. So it's just a matter of not giving up, you know, mm. especially when I'm down on myself, you know, that's when you really got to believe a little more. Yeah. So it's just, it's the belief system, you know? Yeah. When you're in that moment and you got those opportunities, believing that you can take advantage of it. Wyndham Clark proved that this yeah, week, and I'm absolutely. sure you can as well. Yeah. Aaron, thanks so much for sharing your yeah, story you and for the time as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, when we come back, the man who was responsible for bringing the U.S. Open to LACC will join us, Dick Shorts, former president of the club. He's going to relive the past week right after this break. It is the Monday after the 123rd United States Open at the Los Angeles Country Club, the first U.S. Open in Los Angeles in 75 years and the first U.S. Open ever at the Los Angeles Country Club, though it has hosted a lot of other noble events through the years, the old L.A. Open, now the Genesis Invitational, the U.S. Women's Amateur, the U.S. Junior Amateur, and most recently the Walker Cup, won by the United States in 2017. And great to have the past president and co-chairman of this Open, Dick Shorts, with us on this Monday. It's great to be with you. You're responsible for this. 
Well, in part. You know, there are a lot of people responsible, but thank you, Damien. It was a uh, labor of love, and it all started 10 years ago when uh, we met with the USDA, and uh, they talked about hosting an open. And there were a lot of uh, things we had to get done before mm. that took place. One was to uh, restore our clubhouse. And uh, we had already scheduled a Walker Cup for 2017. So uh, we talked about dates and how it might be uh, structured. So uh, it's, it's 10 years in the making, as so many good things are. Mm. In a club that hasn't really got a long history of opening its doors to big championships is, is a fairly private club. It can be a tough sell at times. You think the members today are going to be proud of what was put out there over the last week? You know, the Open was awesome. And uh, my <clears throat> text and emails and, and phone was uh, uh, shuddering all week long as, as uh, this was held. Members were uh, over the moon. It was an exciting event for them. Uh, we had a big members tent, which we called the Sartori Pavilion, which uh, Joseph Sartori was one of our founders in 1897. And uh, <clears throat> it had room for 4,500 people. And it was crowded uh, during the entire week. And the members were, I think, just really pleased about what was occurring. Our member, um, Josh Kroenke, uh, brought out his uh, uh, Super Bowl Ram trophy, his Nuggets trophy, and we uh, paired it with the uh, U.S. Open trophy and took it up to the member's tent. And, uh, you know, the line went forever for people trying to get uh, their pictures of the three trophies together. Yeah, I was in line for, for a few minutes myself. Dick, what were you most pleased about this week? Well, I think uh, we were most pleased about the response of, uh, of people all over the country. I was getting emails and texts and uh, messages from people uh, from Atlanta to New York to Denver mm -hmm. and uh, places in between of how much they were enjoying the, uh, the Open. And uh, I could say something about NBC. I thought the coverage was absolutely fantastic. And in part, I think people in New York, Atlanta, Denver, and, and other Seattle, other locations uh, were uh, we're, we're thrilled with the type of coverage that occurred during the Open. So thank you very much. What was the mood like in that member tent on Thursday afternoon? Because members tend to be very proud of their golf courses. The U.S. Open is known as the most demanding exacting test. And you see 262s go up there. Were the members starting to get a little nervous? Well, you know, I think we're pretty proud of those 62s. Mm. Not, uh, not, not, I'm sure there was anxiety. Uh, I talked with uh, Gil and John Bodenhammer, and they were, uh, but, uh, it was intended that the first day was going to be an easy day. Uh, we've got 156 golfers that uh, have to get around, and so you're not going to want a, uh, you're not going to want uh, really tough conditions that take five hours or more. So uh, Thursday was meant to be easy, toughen up. Uh, Friday and uh, Saturday and Sunday may be a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was all in the plan, uh, as you've uh, reported. You know, we've got fairways that we've left 75 yards wide. We didn't try to make this a course that would be uh, uh, a, a, a heck out from the rough type of course. We wanted the course to allow the players that were scoring well, playing well, to uh, do well on the course and those that weren't hitting the shots that were required to be uh, to be penalized. 
And I'd love a couple shots of the winner, Wyndham Clark. One was on 11 when he uh, pulled his tee shot to the left of the uh, of the uh, green. I've been down there many times, guys. That shot is almost impossible to stop where that uh, hole location was, and he uh, he he pulled it off in beautiful fashion. Mm -hmm. Then the tee shot on 12. So there were two fairways that were uh, pretty pretty close. One was uh, the first fairway. And then the 12th fairway, which is a uh, short par four. Uh, he took his drive around the trees. Mm -hmm. Most of the guys were hitting irons. He put, took his drive around the trees and cut it. He was in the middle of the fairway, and I think maybe he had 45 yards to go to the green. Uh, that was a brilliant shot, and uh, he deserved to win. Mm -hmm. Certainly one of the great highlights of the week. When you come in here, that it was a smaller footprint logistics that there were a limited number of tickets certainly compared to the US Open but there's a criticism out there that it the atmosphere wasn't as vibrant or as boisterous as we're accustomed to at a major that it felt a little bit too corporate is that a fair criticism of this open you think well I think uh, some of the guys even uh, like New York when you go to Shinnecock yeah. a lot of noise uh, the vibe in Los Angeles uh, is a little cooler we're not... Uh, but were there enough general admission fans, you think, as part of the, oh, the sure. mix out there? Yeah, we had 4,500 uh, member tickets sold, mm -hmm. and the rest of them went to uh, hospitality and, and, and gallery and something called the Trophy Club. So, uh, yeah, there were, there were a lot of tickets. Would we do it the same next time? You know, we were... Uh, this is the first time we've hosted the Open. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we've, we've got some lessons learned. And uh, one of them might be, even though uh, it's hard to get people to the back end of the course, it's an old classical course, I think uh, th th there's ways that we could increase attendance. And uh, so we'll sit down after the Open and think about, you know, what could we do better? And is there a way to fit more people into this uh, classic course? As a Vina Ice High School class of 89 and UCLA class of 93, as an L.A. kid, I was smiling all week, Dick. Thanks for the idea, and it was a wonderful week. Thanks so much, Damien. We, uh, we've enjoyed the entire week. Thank you. Well, as we sign off from here for now, we're going to take a look at the upcoming venues for the U.S. Open starting next year. North Carolina at Pinehurst, number two. And some all-stars on that list. Oakmont, Shinnecock, Pebble, Wingfoot. Pinehurst again, and then all the way out to the Bobby Jones Centennial of the Grand Slam at Marion in 2030. We'll be right back. As golf today rolls on into another hour, we're continuing to celebrate golf's newest major champion. Wyndham Clark held off the world's best players at the Los Angeles Country Club yesterday to secure his first major title. Today. What could be a more fitting final round of the U.S. Open than an even par 70? That's what Wyndham Clark shot Sunday at Los Angeles Country Club to hold off some of the biggest names in the sport. Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Ricky Fowler, to name a few, and it gave him his first major championship trophy. 
We're live here on this Monday morning from the Los Angeles Country Club, and we're going to be joined in this hour by NBC and Sky Sports' Paul McGinley and World Golf Hall of Famer Amy Alcott, a local girl here in Los Angeles, and among others, will join us as we wrap up our coverage the 123rd U.S. Open. Josh Allen, Bill's quarterback here. Kind of tea time on this Monday. There's Amy Alcott uh, in the background. There are a lot of football players were here this week. Larry Fitzgerald, Matt Stafford, Andrew Whitworth. Stafford told me he was sneaky short when I chatted with him. Happy Monday to you, Damon Ack, alongside Eamon Lynch. Great to be here at the Los Angeles Country Club. We just spoke to Dick Shorts, the former president here, co-chairman of this Open. Talked a little bit about the atmosphere, almost as if it was intended. This was not going to be Beth Page Black or, or Shinnecock or a New York Open. This was a very specific Los Angeles U.S. Open. It really was, and we knew from the outset that there were only going to be 23,000 uh, tickets allowed on site. That's automatically going to drop down the atmosphere a little bit. I also think it's it helps a Wyndham Clark if you're, you're not in that Coliseum vibe. And it's the nature of the golf course. There's a trade-off here, Damon, where you can't get fans around the tees. You can't get fans close to the greens in a lot of cases because they are so tightly packed in here together. So that's a trade-off I do think you have to make. But how few tickets were available to the, the general admission fans, to me, is, is something that needs to be looked at if the U.S. Open comes back here again. Because you can say 100% that the golf course delivered a very thorough test to the players. It, de it delivered a, an entertainment product. There was a lot of drama attached to it. I'm unconvinced it delivered for spectators on site or fans at home. Because if, if you have an audience that's largely corporate or largely from the host club, you end up with, you know, to, they don't hoot and holler at golf tournaments, you know, to borrow that old line from John Lennon, they sit in the front row and they rattle their jewellery. <laughs> and that's not really the vibe of that we're accustomed to at a major championship. But maybe that is the vibe at the Los Angeles Country Club, which is scheduled to host the National Open once again in 2039. And I'm biased. I'm from, I'm from this city. I, I, I loved every minute. But I was over by scoring by 18. So I saw the same things that I see every time I'm out uh, for NBC. You see the wives or you see yeah. the girlfriends. You see the families. You see the kids clamoring But what do you hear, I guess, is my question. That's, that There wasn't the... The yeah. noise, the, yeah. the waves of emotion that kind of follow around. And a lot of that, I think, actually owes just to the nature of the golf course. It's true. Well. It's an old it's like Chambers classic Bay eight course. Years ago. It's a George Thomas and I. I did have a player tell me on Thursday he wasn't sure it was the U.S. Open because it was so quiet. I think that's what you're talking about, right? More, yeah. more of the atmospherics and more of, the, think, more of the energy. Do you think William Clark felt like it was the U.S. Open in those closing holes yesterday? That, 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 sh that trophy was shining very bright. And to see him bogey 15 and 16, I think yeah. he, he didn't need the noise. I think he thought it was a, a U.S. Open, no doubt about it. Time now for Winning Moments presented by Wynn Grips. How about some of the winning moments for Wyndham Clark, including the, the distance off the tee. Amy, we've talked about it quite a bit. This was the par 5, 14 hole. Yeah, this is really going to be the shot that's going to be remembered most from this tournament. This is what put him in the position for the win. It gave him that cushion. One of the very, very few people who hit this 14th green in two on Sunday set up an easy birdie from 20 feet. How about the knee band, a little gymnastics? He was leaning into that one and hoping, and then nice to have a, a little one for par, his first major championship. Now two-time winner on the PJ Tour said that win in Charlotte had really helped him believe he had beaten a great field before in a designated event and could do so again. A final round, even par 70, able to get the better of the likes of Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler. Let's hear from the champ with Todd Lewis. 
I know you've been wanting your hands on a major championship trophy. Now you have it. I talked to you last night, and you said your goal today was to achieve goals. What were they, and how do you feel like you faced them? Um, you know, I've had kind of the same goals all week, and that was to um, enjoy the moment and smile, and it was to be cocky, and then was to be in the moment. And those were my three goals today, and I just kept reminding myself every time that I – and pretty much in between every shot to remind myself of, the, of those goals, and I felt like I did a great job of that. You also time. said to me yesterday you want to play big, just like your mom taught you how to do. Did you feel big out there today? I did. Um, you know, it's something my mom instilled in me at a young age to play big, and, um, you know, it's it's a, a mantra that I've used since I was about 19 years old, and, um, you know, I feel like I did that today and made my mom proud. You've worked hard, and you've, we've seen you elevate finally over the last few months to being now a major champion. How would you describe this journey from childhood to where you are right now? I, I mean, it's amazing um, God's plan, to be honest, because <clears throat> I was hoping stuff like this would happen earlier. And um, I've been through some tough things, losing my mom, and then the ups and downs of college golf. And then, you know, I got out on tour quick, and I was one of the top players coming out and then didn't have the success that I think – I thought I could and others thought um, that I could and you know there's many times when I wanted to quit the game and to now be here as a two-time PJ Tour winner and then a major champion is I I can't even wrap my head around it so I'm just so blessed and humbled to be here yeah, you performed like a champion today congratulations thank you so Wyndham much Clark the champion of the US Open guys well let's take a look at the Comcast business tour top 10 and recent FedEx Cup history suggests that one of these 10 golfers will leave the tour championship with the FedEx Cup title. Five of the most recent, four of the last five FedEx Cup winners, in fact, were in that top 10 going into the postseason. Wyndham Clark moves up six spots all the way to number four. Eamon, time now for winners who didn't win. Ricky Fowler, a lot of sentiment for him at the Los Angeles Country Club all week long. This was his third at two. This is when it started to look as though getting a little bit paper thin in terms of his confidence on Sunday. Yeah, just uh, unraveling for him. How about uh, for par here at five? And this was really the story of the weekend for Ricky Fowler. He led the field in putting on Thursday, but he didn't make the top 50 in that category either weekend day. Yeah, it was a different Sunday for him, around a five over 75. Now it's nine top five finishes in major championships, oh so close to the 2018 Masters, trying to keep his head held high. Ricky with the media. Was there a point out there where you realized, all right, I, I no longer have a chance to win the tournament? Uh, I, I think probably when Wyndham hit it in there um, on on 14, um, that was that was a, I mean, a very good shot in the situation and moment. Um, obviously made four. I thought if I, you know, could make that um, putt on the next, which I, I nearly did, I thought that might kind of give me a shot to get a two-shot swing and, and maybe make a run in the last three. But, um, no, I knew I was on the outside looking in. But at the same time, you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you don't wish bad on anyone. But um, it's, it's tough to close out tournaments. So, yeah, somewhere I'd say probably when I missed the ferry on 16, um, I knew that was going to be a, a tough hill to climb from there. And then just thinking back to last year, you were 
first alternate at this tournament. What do you make of that 12 months between then and now today being in contention? Oh, I definitely think we're, we're heading the right direction. Um, yeah, it's, it's been nice to, to be back and, you know, have chances in tournaments or at least getting solid finishes and turning weeks that, you know, maybe not have my best stuff and, and maybe finish top 20 or top 10 or whatever it may be. And um, like I've mentioned before, I feel like I get more out of those weeks um, knowing that when I do have my good stuff, I know I can go in and, and you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anyone. Um, you know, we had a lot of good stuff this week. Unfortunately, you know, today we just couldn't get it going. So, um, yeah, the last, you know, 10, 12 months has, has been great. Um, heading the right direction, and we're, we're still going forward and up. Ricky Fowler, one of the protagonists this week at the Los Angeles Country Club. Not the Sunday that he wanted, but just to see him back in the frame, near the form that he had nearly a decade ago. What do you think he'll take away from this week? A lot of positives, I would imagine, because it's very easy to forget, simply because Ricky Fowler is so ubiquitous as a commercial presence in this game, it's easy to forget how low he's fallen mm. over the last few years. He, he was at one point number four in the official World Golf Rankings, as of a little over a year ago, he'd fallen to 185th. And he went 29 consecutive tour events without a single top 10 finish. Missed a lot of cuts in there. He looked unmoored, lost with his golf swing. He'd been working with John Tillery for several years. It hadn't quite taken. And to his credit, he still pays some compliments to John sure. Tillery uh, to the work that they did over the years. But he eventually reconnected with Butch Harmon, who is as much, as you know, Damon, he's as much mental game guru as he is swing coach and Ricky Fowler has found something again and he's played remarkably consistent golf really since his second event of the year at the Amex onwards Ricky Fowler has proven himself to be one of the best players in the world he's gotten it up inside the top 50 again he's actually higher than a top 50 player right now and he proved that this weekend it's very hard to have that kind of faith in swing changes under that kind of pressure even if you are actually comfortable with them, but when you're still trying to bed them in the way Ricky Fowler is, it's not surprising that the confidence wasn't quite there. The aggression that we saw early in the week wasn't quite there, but he's going to leave LACC with a lot of positives. He looked like he belonged on a major championship stage, as he often has throughout his career. If there's been a criticism of Ricky, even at the height of his powers, that sometimes he makes too many bogeys, you know, too many mistakes. And in an exacting test like a major championship, it's hard to get away with that. A birdie machine, as we saw, that incredible 62 on Thursday. What I noticed from Ricky, and I talked to him a couple of times this past week, just the sunglasses, the stoicism with which he went about his business. It was fascinating to see this evolution of a player, no longer the kid next door, the dirt bike rider. He's 34 years of age, husband, father he's been on the still ground wearing those neon highlighter he does clothes wear the so. orange. he does but i tell you what he, i mean he's a man now yeah. and i think when you've seen the bottom and, and when you're having to reach out to butch and your confidence is low and you put the pieces back together i think it's going to be a very formidable presentation for him going forward isn't it remarkable that last year at brookline ricky fowler qualified and he was the last he was first alternate yes and he spent all day on the range at brookline hitting balls waiting for that call to the tee it never came he left Brookline not getting his start in the U.S. Open. It's an undignified position for a man of, of Ricky Fowler's resume. And then to turn around a year later and have the lead through 54 holes, a share of the lead, 
I, I, it is a remarkable turnaround, and it's easy to forget how few major championships Ricky Fowler's played yeah. in the last four years, simply because his world ranking plummeted to the extent that he was not eligible for so many of these championships. So Ricky Fowler's very much back. He, he will leave with a lot more positives than pretty much anyone else other than Wyndham Clark this week, I would think. We showed that video from the Country Club last year. We showed it yesterday. Ricky standing on the range waiting for a phone call. It was like being the guy at the homecoming dance standing at the wall of the gym while, while the party is going on. Is this bringing back memories <laughs> for you, Damon? Exactly. It's getting a little close to home. But to go from that point in your professional career where you can't even get into the dance to being on a leaderboard on Sunday, he has to take a lot of pauses with him going to a place like Hoylake where he contended nine years ago. I was going to say, that there, there's a major championship venue coming up where obviously Rory McIlroy, who left here disappointed, has good history at Ricky Fowler has good history at that one as well. And then, of course, PGA Championship at uh, Valhalla coming up as well. Yeah. Both of those guys dueled each other. Whether you're a Ricky fan or not a Ricky fan, the game of golf is better with Ricky Fowler in the frame. And coming up next on Golf Today, you know, we started this Riders Roundtable post-major championships. One of the great riders of the Los Angeles Times, Sam Farmer, joins us on the other side. And what a week it was at the Los Angeles Country Club. First time host of the United States Open. First Los Angeles U.S. Open in 75 years. In time now for our Riders Roundtable. So I can officially say I'm the third best rider now in this group. Great to have Sam Farmer of the L.A. Times with us, my old friend. It's great to be with you, buddy. First of all, what would you think of the week? Oh, I thought it was a terrific week. Great for L.A., great for L.A. Country Club. Uh, the unveiling of this course, you know, a lot of people don't, they certainly don't know what the holes look like, but a lot of people in L.A. don't even know where L.A. Country Club is. So it's, uh, you know, you're driving down Wilshire, you don't even realize you're bisecting the course. So it was an unveiling, and I think it was great. Thursday weather, a little strange, but, but uh, Mother Nature graciously bowed out. And it's a great weekend. Obviously, the course was unknown nationally. It was only when I got here I realized how unknown it is locally as well. <laughs> did, did this week do anything to dispel the idea that LACC kind of exists separate from the city? Uh, I think it definitely did. It was, um, you know, I was talking to Fred Terrell, one of the members here, and he said growing up, he thought this was a cemetery as he would drive past. <laughs> he had no idea what was on the other side of the other side of the hedges. But that's kind of the charm of this place, too, because you get back in some of those interior holes on the north course and you could be anywhere. You don't even realize you're in Los Angeles. It's like a walk in the woods back there. And, and uh, uh, yeah, so I think this was a seminal moment for the club. You grew up here. You had no idea of the With the college down the road at UCLA, you might have heard. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I had no idea that uh, this place even existed. And I'm curious, Sam, in your mind, I mean, you've seen a run-up to a Rams Super Bowl or a Laker playoff chase. Like, what was the vibe and the buildup like in advance? Was the city excited? Were people excited? What was the energy like in advance? Well, you know, we like to say that the only time you get everyone in L.A. moving in the same direction is on the 405 at rush hour. <laughs> so it's hard to get everybody. Mm. You know, a big city like that sort of absorbs the, that energy. But the, the energy was certainly there. Um, you know, um, it's so strange and maybe unique to have a U.S. Open 
in a major metropolitan area. And so that was a new, a new thing. And so I think, um, again, the unveiling of the course, um, I think this kicks off a new era. Hmm. You talk about the energy and the excitement in the build-up to, to the Open. There have been some complaints that the atmosphere during the actual tournament was a little flat, some of which owes just to the nature of the golf course and how you can't really get fans in for that Coliseum feeling. Was that your experience this week, that it wasn't as rowdy as you might have expected it to be? Or did you expect uh, it to be rowdy? Yeah, I don't know that I expected it to be rowdy. I think the topography of the course, um, sort there are choke points that sort of hem you in. If you think about a signature hole like number six, um, not a lot of places there where you can put big groups of people. And so um, part of the charm of this course is, as I said, that you're you're walking in the woods, but you know where are you going to put people? Are you going to have them hiding behind trees? Uh, I thought it was interesting allowing people to ring the 18th green. That created that energy that we're so familiar with. But uh, it was a, you know, the the because of the course, there weren't as many people who could fit in here. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that detracted from the excitement of the event, though. Sam, you do a wonderful job of writing about atmosphere, of writing about people. What was some of the focuses of your of your work this past week? Yeah, thank you. Uh, some of the people that I met and got to know, um, sort of out on the fringes, uh, Jose Ochoa, the, the locker room attendant, um, who shot a 74 on the north course uh, just going out there. He's a, he's a good player, in fact was too poor uh, when he came to the U.S. to learn, to pay for lessons, so he sat there on the Rancho Park range and eavesdropped on lessons. Um, Fred Terrell, who I mentioned in the work that he's doing in South Los Angeles with the Maggie Hathaway course, um, and Tom Gardner, the director of golf here, I love that he was able to play as the marker uh, and have a great weekend. Didn't qualify for the Open, but got to play um, with Rory uh, Sweeney, his caddy, who's the head pro here. It was kind of a neat, neat thing. Mm -hmm. Every time we have a major championship or a major sporting event, soon afterwards there's always some press release goes out about how much this did for the local community, how much money was raised. I have a couple of LA guys here. I'm curious, what do you think the impact is on this town? Not, not on the LACCs of the world, but on municipal golf in this town whenever the circus pulls out. Well, I think, I think Maggie Hathaway course is the big, uh, just down the road, about a mile down the road from SoFi Stadium uh, in South Los Angeles and the work that they're going to do there at that nine-hole course, $15 million renovation. You've got Gil Hance, who's doing a pro bono redesign of that course, or at least a sort of restoration, keeping the same routing. Uh, but I think it will open up golf. Another point of entry for kids who uh, might not otherwise have that opportunity. This is such a big sports town. It's a big event town. Where does golf rate when you have Clayton Kershaw and LeBron James yeah. in, in Hollywood next door? Yeah, and it's tough for the NFL. Yeah. Of all, you know, the king of all the leagues to make inroads uh, in Los Angeles, it's a tough place. Yeah. But um, again, it's golf on a huge stage. It's the second largest media market. It's as if there were a, uh, a golf course in the middle of Central Park. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think the interest in golf is very high. You've got great courses here, Riviera, Hillcrest, uh, Lakeside, and lots and lots of public courses. Um, so the interest in golf is high, and I think this will 
elevated even more. Mm. I'm not going to let this opportunity go by because you knew him when he was a, a whippersnapper. I he said he was this towering presence that we see before yeah. us now. What was he like when he thought he was going to be the guy we would talk about as opposed <laughs> to the guy <laughs> doing the talking? Damon has always been the greatest, uh, most self-effacing guy. We were <laughs> NFL writers together and we had lots and lots of fun times on the road and and I covered him as a high school basketball player. He was one of our All-Valley all players and I will mention that he was the last cut at UCLA <laughs> as a walk-on with Jim close. Eric. He was this close <laughs> and if you talk to Damon for three minutes, he'll find a way to work in UCLA basketball. So. <laughs> no, I love the more guy. I was fall. at his wedding. <laughs> we still talk about you and uh, our good buddy Brian Murphy. My mom called you guys the wedding crashers. They weren't sure you were invited because you guys <laughs> had so much fun. It was a Is great that why time. why she was looking at me funny That's all, exactly all why. weekend? Sam, we've loved reading you all week long, and, and our friendship goes way back. It's great to visit with you today. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, great, Sam great Farmer with the Los Angeles Times. Coming up next on Golf Today, another L.A. legend from Sam Farmer to Amy Alcott, LPGA Hall of Famer, World Golf Hall of Famer, and a legend around these parts. She is next. Time now for Grand Adventures Return, presented by Grand Wagoneer. Wyndham Clark can call himself a major champion and a U.S. Open champion. Post that final round, even par 72 putt from 59 feet in the final hole was good enough to hold off Rory McIlroy by a single shot in the gloaming at the Los Angeles Country Club. Well, players to win a major championship in their seventh major start. How about this notable list? Lord Byron Nelson, the 37 Masters, Tiger, the 97 Masters, and now Wyndham Clark at the 2023 U.S. Open. And speaking of major champs, what about Amy Alcott, L.A. legend. What about this resume? Five majors, 29 LPGA Tour wins, was a rookie of the year in 75, World Golf Hall of Fame member, LPGA Hall of Fame member, and Riviera member. I can hardly talk. It's Amy Alcott <laughs> on this Monday. It's great to see you. How are and you? fan of Damon Hack, oh, that's you're for sure. Too kind. Thank you, you for having me. me. You keep me in the loop. I saw you out here this week. What'd you think? I thought it was great. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like, a, in a way, a Hollywood storyline, as mm. many of you have been talking about. Just, you know, this game continually amazes me and these great things that happen in golf. Mm. And um, I thought Wyndham Clark just really held it together. He really proved something to himself uh, to win like that. And, uh, you know, great players overcome adversities. Mm. and. It's, I don't know how the stars align in life. I don't know how Ben Crenshaw wins after Harvey Pennock mm. passes. I, there's just, there's such an underpinning of a story um, like that. I won uh, five months after my mother died. Um, there's just the humanity, the emotional side of it that's really, it was beautiful to see him hang in there and pull through. You've been in that position, Amy, of closing out U.S. Opens, closing out major championships. Were you surprised how solid Wyndham Clark was through yesterday's final round? Yes, I was. And I think that, um, I mean, that's the beauty of it, is how you hold it together. It's not, you're never thinking about making birdies and you're not thinking about winning. Mm. You know, success in golf is consistency and it's maintaining yourself and not bringing the big numbers in. And, 
you know, playing the course because the course ultimately <laughs> the course ultimately wins. But um, I just think it was his time, and it was um, it was a great win. Um, there were so many top players, show ponies, mm -hmm. that could have could have showed up, and um, he was just the man of the week. You've won big, Amy. You've also lost majors before. Rory McIlroy. How do you how do you bounce back? What's that process like? Well, I don't think Rory lost. I think he's really and I I I'd bet on Rory at the British mm. Open right now. Mm. I mean, um, his game seems to uh, really be in tow. He's really got it together. It's nice to see Ricky Fowler coming back. Uh, all these guys are playing so well. Um, you know, you win, you really learn more from sometimes uh, when it doesn't happen. You can look back on it and say, well, you know, if I could hold it together, if I could think a little bit more clearly, and, um, you know, that's, that's when the moments happen. But uh, I don't think Rory lost it at all. I think mm. he was there all the way to the end, and so was Ricky. Mm. 75 years since we've had a U.S. Open here, Amy. You grew up here. You said you grew up sneaking under the fence at Riviera, and now they let you drive through the front gate, which is definitely coming full circle. Did you ever think you'd see a U.S. Open in your hometown? Um, yes, because these courses here are so fabulous. Um, as you, everybody alluded to this week, um, you know, George Thomas had this amazing flair to create these very special golf courses. You know, I've won the Open on a Donald Ross course. Um, uh, I've won, on, uh, won my U.S. Junior on a, a Tillinghast golf course. Most of the LPGA Tour, when you really think about it, is on East Coast golf courses, so I played many of them. Uh, but growing up here, the Kikuya grass that Riviera has, Rancho Park, all of these courses, um, it really kind of keeps you in tow. But, you know, <clears throat> I really thought LA Country Club would be a, a great venue. We, you know, when the media says it's playing firm and fast, I want to say that plays right into the pros' hands. And it really did this week because the pros love firm and fast. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, I was, I thought this would be a great venue for it. You've been involved in, in golf course architecture. You know Gil Hans very well, obviously. There was some pearl clutching going on last Thursday when there were a couple of 62s out there. Did you yes. have any fear that the course might not hold its own in the way that it did eventually? Yeah, I actually did. When I saw the low scores after the first round, I thought, well, LA is tougher than that. It's mm. tougher for me. Um, I think that uh, the fairways, quite honestly, were a little wide this week. Um, these guys are so good and, you know, can pinpoint, Rory can pinpoint that three wood and five wood and all these guys can hit a four iron and, you know, run it 30 yards uh, down a fairway. They don't have to hit driver um, and they work the ball and shape it so well. Um, I thought there could be more of them unless they tighten up these mm -hmm. pins and really hide, hide, hide those pins. So, you know. To have an 18th fairway that's 59 yards wide, I'd love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't think you'll see that at, uh, you know, a lot of opens. I thought that uh, they were very generous. Sinatra once sang, L.A. is my lady. What's kept you here? You've lived here your whole life. You've traveled the world, played everywhere. Why have you stayed in L.A.? That's a very good question. Um, 
I think that I have so much history here, growing up here. Um, as I said, most of the golf I've played is on the East Coast. I've had conversations with West Coast pros from Julie Inkster to Johnny Miller to people that grew up here saying, you know, it's a little bit of a disadvantage when you're at the height of your career playing four and five weeks in a row. Then you come home, it takes a day to go home, to come home and a day to get back. But there's an energy here. There's a, a feeling, there's a positivity about golf. And, um, you know, my childhood was here and it, it just feels, it feels like the place for me. So that and does now it's change. getting more major championship golf. The U.S. Women's Open's coming to Riviera yes. in 2026, coming right here to LACC in 32. Are you a little wistful that women's major started to come to L.A. after you'd retired? You well, never had that opportunity in your good, prime. That's another very good question, and there's nothing that I'd love to be at the height of my career on the first tee at Riviera with all its history. If, um, you know, all of all the times that I would play there and as a child sneak on and putt with Rita Hayworth and didn't know who she was and Mr. Uh, Jim Backus, the voice of Mr. Magoo and and Dean Martin was my, one of my original sponsors. Um, you know, this very rich history that I, of Hollywood that uh, when I was a kid that I connected with and, um, you know, Pat and Mike made out there with Katherine Hepburn. There's a real rich history of Riviera. Uh, it's in my heart and it's, it's in my soul. And boy, I'd love to just be standing on that sixth hole and hitting that shot around that bunker and working the ball. So I'd love to have the opportunity to do it. But, you know, I, I, um, I don't think everybody, anyone in golf especially should ever use the word retire. Mm -hmm. I think you morph. Uh, like Serena Williams, you morph into another phase of your life. And if you do it right, it can be rich and, and wonderful. And um, I wanted to say one thing very quickly. I was walking um, at Will Rogers State Park, you know, the great historian, humanitarian, um, humorist. And I saw a sign that said, it's great to be great, but it's greater to be human. And I saw that, and I, I used that once in my Hall of Fame induction. And it, it wasn't ever more true than watching Wyndham Clark win here. The humanity that he showed was, was, really, was really terrific. So um, it's just great being a part of golf here. Thank you so much, Amy. You've given a lot to this game, and, and to me personally oh, as well. You, so thanks for joining us on this thank, Monday. Thank you, Amy. Well, thank after you. the break, we're going to be joined by another Irish voice, but it's one that's a lot more argumentative than mine. <laughs> Paul McGinley will be joining us to talk Rory McIlroy, Wyndham Clark, and Los Angeles Country Club. Stay with us. Earlier this month at the historic Langston Golf Course in Washington, D.C., the National Links Trust cut the ribbon on their refurbished community classroom for the Jack Vardaman Development Program. Caddy program and internships are just two aspects of a very impactful venture for underprivileged youth in our nation's capital. Being just a, a good community partner, but certainly showing the kids and, and introducing them to the game of golf, you know, potentially having them become the next leaders in the game of golf, which is very, very important. And, you know, it, it, 
we always we say that the Langston is kind of an on ramp for a lot of people to get into the game of golf. So now we're getting giving these young people, you know, not only golf skills but life skills and job skills. Um, so that's really the the key thing is to be, a, you know. A lot of what NLT does is community partnerships. Um, you know, we, we want to strengthen communities through municipal golf, and this is another way to do that. And we think it's a great way to do it. And, and again, we're really excited about it. I learned a lot of leadership skills, um, a lot of social skills, professionalism. Um, that's pretty much what I learned, how to be definitely more of a professional person and how to represent myself and also about the business of golf and things like that. It's as simple as uh, in the beginning they would come in looking at their feet, uh, shy, uh, really not not engaging with uh, the customers. Now they look them in the eye, they, they have a sense of pride in their work. Uh, the transformation in, in six to eight weeks is really, really quite remarkable. This is a great opportunity. It's, it's definitely something that you know, you, you definitely should get into because it teaches you not just about golf. It teaches you more about how to be professional and how to be, how to excel in the game of golf, you know, and how to learn more about the business of it. And also it, it doesn't just apply to just the business of golf. It applies to all um, areas of business. So this is definitely important for um, anyone that wants to be a professional um, person. We're back live at Los Angeles Country Club. On Thursday, we saw Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both post record-breaking 62s. Tommy Fleetwood had a putt for 62 on Sunday's final round, but it slid by the whole 18 players. Finished the 123rd US Open under par, and we're joined now by someone who's played a few US Opens, was the analyst for NBC Sports and Sky Sports this week, Paul McGinley. Paul, thanks for joining us. Were you surprised at how solid Wyndham Clark was in yesterday's final round because there didn't appear to be there was a little wobble but he never quite lost his balance not really uh, I watched him closely when he won in Quail Hollow really impressed with that love the way he swings the golf club he seems to be able to move the ball both ways um, you know he was second and third in, in, in the short game statistics categories after three rounds getting into the last round and uh, I think mentally he's in, in, in a different place you know he's, he's been working with a sports psychologist with great success Julie Elion I hope I've given pronounce her name there right but uh, she seems to have done a fabulous job uh, with him because he's a different player this year than he's ever been before she started working with him in January so all that co cocktail coming together Raymond combined with the fact that he's on the up you know this is a guy coming off uh, the big buzz of his first win in Quail Hollow coming in here in a golf course that suited the style of player that he is so the cocktail was there um, I call him the real deal on Saturday night um, and and I stay stay to that point that point real deal um, if he stays motivated, because you never know, it's easy to say when a guy wins a major, oh, this guy's going to win three, four, five majors. You don't know. Life gets in the way then. Money comes in. Business comes in. It's easy to get distracted from there. So if he stays focused like he is at this moment in time, like he was yesterday, you know, this guy's got potential to be a real world beater. Some Paul say it didn't feel like a U.S. Open. The fairways were too wide. We're seeing 62, 63. What do you think? Did it feel like a U.S. Open? To me, it did, yes, okay. Damon. I, I, I personally didn't like the fairways as wide as they were. I mean, 18 wasn't a challenging drive for these guys, which was disappointing. Um, you know, it was a kind of a soft hole, to be honest. Uh, I would have liked to see that tougher. Um, I think there was a couple of tweaks they could have made. I think on day one, when they came along and saw the misty rain like we have this morning, um, that they might not maybe have decided not to put up the, the four tee boxes that they did to make the golf course shorter. Um, a couple of tweaks here and there, but ultimately, look, we got 10 under par winning. 
I, we were just saying on the show last night, I think the days of uh, the old US Opens, and as, as uh, Lee Trevino used to say, walking single, find down the fairways, <laughs> is, uh, are long gone. You know, I think the USGA have moved in a different direction. Still difficult, still kind of the DNA, but not as tight as it used to be, uh, certainly off the tee. Uh, with rock-hard, firm greens and, 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 and pin positions that are bordering lying on, on unfair. I think Shinnecock um, kind of has thrown him in a slightly different direction there. Mm. Speaking of the old DNA of the old US Open, it used to be even par was good enough on a Sunday. It's what Rory McIlroy shot yesterday, came up short. What does Rory take away from a week like this? Well, he'd be disappointed, Eamon. There's no doubt about that, you know. Uh, you know, this one and, and, and the, and, and the uh, St Andrews last year at the Open, you know, two real chances on golf courses that really suited the power game that he has, playing well, and to let both of them slip and, and, and to do... I mean, he, he didn't choke or, you know, mess it up, but he, he just didn't come through, you know? And I always feel Rory is an inspirational player and he's better playing on the front foot. And, and what we saw in both the last rounds of those was a, a kind of a, almost like a, a, a moderate Rory McIlroy and, and not taking it by the scruff of the neck and, and getting it over the line and dominating. Here I am, pointy elbows, Eamon, like you have. Get out of my way, here I come. <laughs> and uh, that's what we haven't seen from Rory on those Sundays. Um, I think all in all, his game is better than it's ever been before. Um, I think uh, this certainly was a golf course that, that suited him. Um, I think the way he, he played that first hole, see the way he played that first hole, I would mm. like to have seen him more of that play uh, during the round, where just take the hole by the scruff of the neck, you know, we saw him dominate that first hole every single day, hitting it yeah. 370, 380 down there, and just, you know, putting his, his foot down on the golf course and make it, sending out a message to the guys around him, here, I'm going to take control of this, you guys get out of the way, here I come. Um, so that's what it is. I mean, look, yesterday, obviously the mistake in 14 was critical at a crucial time, um, and, you know, not birdie and six and eight on the front nine were as well, too. You know, I talk about putting wind in your sails and getting momentum, and Rory really needs that kind of momentum. And, and, and the initiative was always with Wyndham. Even when he took, made that mistake on eight, he was still a shot ahead. And it's a lot easier as a player out there in the heat of battle to get up and down when you've got, a, you know, two or three under par or a couple in the bank who you're leading than if you were trailing and somebody's putting the pressure on you. Uh, and if Rory had have overtaken him, that would have put a lot more pressure on Wyndham consistently having to get up and down, uh, you know, to stay in the lead. What about his approach off the golf course, Rory? A, a little less chatty, maybe? I mean, yeah. Rory could be selfish and still be 90, you know, nicer than 99% of professional athletes, but a little bit more about his, his time and, yeah. and less out front for the professional game, as it were. I like that, Damon. I like that. He gives too much, I think, in my opinion. He's, a, he's an appealing guy. He, he's interested which is yeah. the problem. It's not doing it because he's got an ego and wants everybody to know what he thinks. He's interested. Um, you know, you, you meet him in a social setting and he's full of chat as well. Um, so, you know, the eye of the tiger and putting on that, um, you know, that, that, uh, th those blindfolds, you know, uh, like a horse, like the blinkers that a horse would have in a race. You know, I'd like to see him doing that more often. Mm -hmm. I think he's had it this week. I haven't seen a whole lot of him this week. Um, but everybody around who's been on the range, players, caddies, People around have said this is a different Rory this week. He's got an edge about him, and, and I like that. I smiled when I heard that. It's, uh, you know, I think that's when he's at his best. Like Eamon's pointy elbows, get out of my way. That's when he's uh, that's when he's at his best when he's got something to prove. One quick final you question. Northern for you northern lads are all the same. You know that. <laughs> well, we try to. Be. Uh, <laughs> T Mac was the same. <laughs> I'll shove you in this one. One quick final question for you. The last two majors, the American Ryder Cup team is looking very strong right now. The American team. Mm -hmm. It's always strong, Eamon. <laughs> it was always mm. strong. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Wyndham is going to be in the team now, you know, with six picks. 
Um, you know, Brooks and DJ probably going to be picked as well too on top of that from, from what's been indicated. It's a very, very strong American team. And, you know, what's impressed me over the years and, again, the criticism at the time of the task force, uh, well, it's been proved correct, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I think they have got their act together off the golf course. Um, they certainly, Steve Stricker was the best that I've seen um, so far in an American, <coughs> excuse me, captaincy um, off the golf course. Uh, he made great decisions. Um, he's starting with his picks. And when I heard at the press conference when he was announcing uh, Scotty Scheffler as a pick and he, and, and, uh, he talked about the suitability of Scotty to the golf course, I said, ah, oh, I haven't heard that from an American captain before. Mm. They're, they're getting the picture now, and this, this was a worry for me. And, and, and they were very, very strong. Steve did a great job, obviously a great team that they had in, in Whistling Straits. But, you know, we didn't play anywhere near the level we needed to play, you know. We didn't lose by such a heavy margin in Whistling Straits because America were fantastic and played us off the park. Our scoring against the golf course was very moderate, and that's what we have to improve in Europe. Great to see you, Paul. We'll see you at Hoylake. You will. Thank you, Damon. All right. We'll also see uh, Wyndham Clark at Hoylake. 29 years of age from Colorado and now a U.S. Open champion.